theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And the Bible reads, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion, that's actually, if you study that out, that's a reference to baptism when Paul cites that later in the book of Romans. Uh, But uh, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, a very familiar passage, one that many of you will know if you have been uh, in the Christian faith for some time. And if you haven't, you probably heard it. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I actually want to take the middle child, if you will, of those three and preach this thought to you today by the help of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hope in uncertain times hope in uncertain times. Now, if at any point in time throughout today's message, if you decide that you would like to be baptized, I want you to text the word baptism to 647-671-8439. If you're able to do that, I'm going to say it again, and hopefully things are working like we have planned. You might see that on the screen. It's 647 671 8439. Text that. And here's why I want you to know that if you want to be baptized today, you can come on site and we will do that. That is one of our rites, rituals, and ceremonies. And the province has enabled us to do so. And so we would be glad to baptize you today in the name of Jesus Christ. We'll wait for you. And if you want to schedule to do it later on in the week, we can schedule. But what I would say is what doesn't hinder you, the water is warm and we're ready to receive you. You probably already seated in the presence of the Lord. And so for that, I'm grateful. I want to again preach to you hope in uncertain times. Jesus spoke of a time coming where there would be great affliction. He said, woe to those with children in those days. He said those days would be marked with the sun not giving its light and the moon in darkness. Of those days, he spoke that if the days weren't shortened, the elect would be deceived. Those days is a phrase that was often used by the prophets. Jeremiah spoke frequently of those days, a time of uh, great uh, persecution, if you will, yet a time when Israel's heart 
would begin to turn back to God. Haggai and Zechariah also spoke of those days. But I have a question for you. Are these those days? Are these the days that Paul spoke about, the last days? Are these those days? I want to read to you a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away for of this sort are those who creep into households look at what these people do and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth i feel like we're living in these days now as James and Jambres or Hambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Are these those days? Perhaps since the beginning of the church history, people could say and answer that question in the affirmative. After all, Simon Peter quoted Joel's writings on the birthday of the church, Acts chapter 2. He was preaching an excerpt of that. John would say the spirit of the Antichrist was actively working in his day. It appears that the church could always say that these must be those days. Yet... There's a special urgency in our day today. I want that to sink in for a moment. There's a special urgency in the day today. I believe we are seeing the literal fulfillment of what was prophesied thousands of years ago. There is not one more prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before our Lord to return. I want you to know it's nothing but the mercy of God and the grace of God because he is long-suffering and it's his will that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. But we are living in those days and I believe many of us can feel that since the urgency of the hour, the time is now. We need to ready ourselves. The Lord is going to split that eastern sky and if there's anybody that's ready because those are words of comfort if there's anybody that's ready to meet him in the sky for that personal reunion you ought to give God praise you ought to look to the hills from which cometh your help because your help draws nigh and it is the Lord oh we give you praise we're living in those last days just look around anywhere you are you can see it I suppose if we're just being transparent if we had to summarize the spirit of this age with one single word, it would be uncertainty. See, when truth isn't true anymore, when relationships don't relate, when the godly act ungodly, when sinners are saints and when the lawless, when, and when lawlessness is magnified, it's uncertainty. When what was taught yesterday is thrown out the window today for fresh revelation, 
it's uncertainty. When the word of God, if somebody doesn't like it, can simply be explained or translated away, it's, it's uncertainty. When global pandemics such as COVID-19 disrupt every aspect of life from visiting with friends or spending time with family or not able to visit with loved ones during their last days, which I have personally experienced, or even grieve with family once they're gone, it's uncertainty. Yet, for these uncertain times, we need hope. We need, I feel like Extraordinary Church needs some certainties. We need something upon which to hang our hats, something upon which to rest our lives and our souls, something upon which we can depend. Can I tell you, hope is a vital element in our lives. Like sunshine, hope is needed. Like vitamin C, hope is needed. Like air and water and food, hope is needed. And hope is more than a city in British Columbia. It is an essential part of our daily Christian walk. We need hope. And I want you to know that we have hope in Jesus Christ. He's a God that cannot fail. He's a God that will not let you down. He's a God that has an expected end for his people. You can have a hope today that won't let you down. You can have a confidence today that Jesus Christ will be with you. You can have a hope today that he will meet you right where you are. If you believe that, give him praise. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm prophesying to somebody right now. I'm telling you, no matter where you are, God wants to give you hope. Quit looking to everything else for hope. Quit looking to the news for hope. Quit looking to the government for hope. Quit looking to your bank account for hope. You better look to the author and finisher of your faith who does not change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody give him praise. It is he who will keep you. Tell him my hope is in you, oh God. You will come through that dilemma. You will come through that heartache. Why? Because your hope is in Jesus. God, we praise you and we worship you. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I'm here to encourage somebody today. Those that are watching online right now and the little few that are with me right here. I want you to know that we have a hope. You can, you can look to everything else and you'll find yourself being despondent. You'll find yourself being discouraged. But can I tell you, let the things of this earth grow strangely dim as you become fixated on the light and the glory of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Know that he is a God who will not let you down. He is a God who will sustain you and keep you. You will lose your ever-living mind and the peace that you want to have if you put everything, all your stock in everything else. But you better let go of these things on this earth and you better cling to the faith that you have in Jesus Christ because he will keep you. Praise God. Praise God somebody's watching online and I know this might sound generic but it's out of my notes and I feel prompted to say it but you've been discouraged and you've been wondering you didn't even have enough strength hardly to just get online and watch but can I tell you God's going to strengthen you right now in the name of Jesus Christ if I'm in the Holy Ghost and that's you while you're watching I want you just to begin to lift your hands you could be sitting in your lazy boy but I'm prophesying and declaring in Jesus name that strength is coming to you it might sound crazy but if you need to take your hand and lay it on your own head and begin to pray and say, God, I receive it. I receive your hope. I receive your joy and your victory. I want you to do that in Jesus' name and just begin to give him praise. Hallelujah. See, unbelievers, unbelievers don't have this hope that we have. 
Unbelievers, Paul told us, they have no hope. But our hope is based on Jesus Christ, according to 1 Timothy 1 and 1. But if you look at it, the Bible tells us we were born without hope, because without God, there is no hope. We were born again unto a lively hope, the Bible tells us, 1 Peter 1 and 3. You know, it's just like certain flowers, perennials. Um, you know what? Uh, that just kind of means they come back each year. <laughs> and you walk outside, and you know, it's wintertime, and they're just, they're just toast. But when spring comes around, praise God, and May comes, and June comes, all of a sudden you see that life back in those flowers. I want you to know you don't have to plant anymore. It doesn't matter how did things were the previous winter in your life. Spring is coming again. Those flowers will live again. Hope is coming again. That's exactly what hope is like. Hope is perennial. Let trials come. Hope will spring forth. Let darkness fall. Let hurt and sorrow come. But hope looks up. Hope is simply, I want you to hear me. Hope is simply, it's not wishing. It's not wishful thinking. thinking. Hope is simply an expectation. What we anticipate, it is our expected end. See, with hope, I can start over. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. One translation says it like this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I'm telling you, hope in God. Hope will help you start over. Hope will let you know that his mercies are made new every morning. Hope will let you know your marriage will make it. Hope will let you know you'll get through this season. Hope will let you know you can put up with some things. See, with hope, I can put up with some things. Paul wrote in a very personal letter of 2 Corinthians about the trials that he had faced. In that opening chapter, he talks about this. He said, we despaired even for our life. In other words, we lost hope for living. But oh, he didn't stop there. He said this happened that we might not trust in ourselves, but that we would trust in God. See, when you get to the place to say, oh God, am I going to make it? Can I get out of the bed? I'm afraid to go to the store. I'm afraid to go talk to my neighbors. I'm afraid to visit my family because they say this and they say that. Can I tell you? That's when you find your hope in God. That's when you find your hope in God. I said, that's when you find your hope in him. See, with hope, you can put up with some things, but also with hope, you can go on. With hope, you can go on. This weekend, I don't know if you paid attention to it or not. I'm a college football fan. You know, I'm from the States, and so I, I keep up with it a little bit. But the weekend was filled with the news of Sarah Fuller, who made history by becoming the first woman to play in a Power Five Conference college football game. That's one of the big five conferences in the United States. And I want you to know, people, uh, she was talking about young ladies. They can do anything they put their mind to. And as you know, the vice president-elect is a woman. On top of that, uh, a woman of African or Caribbean descent, and I believe Indian descent. I haven't really kept up with it, her, her ancestry, so I'm not sure. But she was saying that, uh, you know what, if you hope, you can do these things. But I also want to tell you about something else that just really struck with me because around this same time, but many, many, many years ago, Florence Chadwick, the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways, on her first attempt, she failed. And do you know why she failed? It wasn't the cold water, Pastor Mateo. It wasn't the currents, the sharks, or the 15-hour swim that caused her to quit. 
Do you realize she quit only a few hundred yards from her goal? Why? Because the fog rolled in and she lost sight of what was up ahead. She lost hope. Can I tell you, now is not the time to lose sight of what's up ahead. We have a Savior who is coming back. You better not get the fog of COVID-19 and the fog of fear and the fog of paranoia begin to suffocate your vision. I'm telling you, you better fix your eyes on Jesus Christ who will not let you down. Hope is the divine ability to say, I am not giving up. Now is not the time to quit. I'm telling you, you need to get your fight back. You need to realize that you can grow in your relationship with God. Your family can have revival. Whole hell is breaking loose in your world. You can still reach your loved ones. You can still have revival on your college campuses. The will of God will come to pass in your life. God wants to use you. Hope is not that hope says, Don't give up, don't quit the fight. Now is the time. Praise God. Hope is saying there is a future, and I want to be prepared for it. See, we got to make room for hope. Got to make room. EC family, we got to make room for hope. Do you have room for hope? Do you have room for that expected end? Or are you allowing everything to snuff out your hope? No, 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 no. Let me show you something in Romans 15 and 4. Romans 15 and 4. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Praise God. Do you see where you get your hope from? Praise God. Do you see where you get your hope from? Do you see? Um, you, you don't get your hope from CBC or CTV. You don't get your hope from your boss. You don't get your hope from your spouse. You get your hope from the word. You don't get your hope from a grade that you may or may not get on your exam. You get your hope from what the Lord says. Amen. Others have faced what you're going through and they found help. They found hope so so can you. They made it and so can you. I'm telling you do you have room for hope? Make room by seeking his face today. Let hope live by seeking the face of God. That's why we don't want you just to sit and listen to me. I want you to engage. If you agree with this, you need to say amen. You need to shout it out in the comments. You need to say, God, I'm coming. I'm getting my hope. I can have hope in uncertain times. The psalmist, he said this in, in Psalm 62 and 5. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation." For my hope is from him. See, let hope live. Hope thou in God. That's what the psalmist said. See, when your soul is cast down, when you seem down and out, you must, you must stop depending on self, hope in God. You know what he said in the 43rd Psalm, verse 5? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You know what the psalmist was doing? He was talking to himself. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. I talk to myself all the time. As a matter of fact, people in my house probably thought I've lost my mind. But you know what? I will talk to myself and say, no, 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 no. I will not think those thoughts. No, 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 no. That will not be the case in my life. Why so downcast, oh my soul? 
put your hope in God. I will magnify the Lord while there's breath in my body. I will boast in the Lord. I will celebrate his goodness. I'm declaring that we will see greater things. I'm declaring we'll see supernatural revival. I'm telling you what you think is a setback is a setup. I'm telling you that God is positioning his church for unprecedented supernatural revival. If you think for one second we're going to sit back in our lazy boy and not do anything, the devil is alive. I'm going to call you to higher places. God's going to do greater things in your life. You're going to see revival. We're going to see revival and he'll get the glory. If you believe it, give him praise. Our hope is in him. Praise God. God will never let you down. He'll never disappoint you hope in him. He'll never two-time you or stab you in the back hope in him. Oh, do you have room for hope today? Do you have room for hope in these uncertain times? Paul said of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope and became the father of many nations. Make room for hope by sharing it with others. Multiply your hope. People want to know why you've got peace while you're at school? Tell them why you've got peace. They want to know why you've got hope? Tell them why you've got hope. They want to know how is it that you've got this joy and you don't seem to be bothered by everything that's happening around us? Because I've got an expected end. I've got a confidence in what he told me. And the only thing that's going to make that confidence all that more real to you is when you begin to eat this word, you begin to sink it up with your spirit. Can I tell you? You have to ask yourself, are you just kind of dating the word? You just holler at the word when you want to? Or are you engaged to the word? Or are you married to the word? See, when you have a marriage relationship with this, this will influence you and wash you and cleanse you and get you in alignment. Now, let me just tell you, God's word provides these things and you need the word of God. But it's also that same word that inspired, that inspired moment that moved Joel to write about the darkness of the last days. Joel was also moved to pin some certainties and I want to give you a few certainties. Here's the first certainty. There will be a great revival. There will be a great revival. Jeremiah 2 Ah, you know what? I said Jeremiah, but it's Joel, excuse me. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Notice that the spirit will move on all flesh. Amen. Sons and daughters, men and women. Old men and young men. Old and young. It's not reserved only for the priests. It's not reserved for the prophetic class. It's not reserved for those who have it all together, who those have been in church all in their life. It's for everyone. It's for the black, white, brown, red, yellow, educated, uneducated, poor, rich. It makes no difference. There will be a great revival in Mississauga. There will be a great revival in Toronto. There will be a great revival in Ontario. This is a certainty. I don't guess this. I don't wonder when it's going to happen. I'm telling you, I'm looking to it with an expectation, with an expectation in my spirit. Is this the day? We are watching it unfold right before our very eyes. We are in revival. We will experience a greater outpouring of his spirit. 
certainty. It's a certainty. I spoke with a pastor not too terribly long ago who pastored in this city for a number of years. And during our conversation, he talked about his, his dreams of seeing God do a great work in Mississauga. I agreed with him and declared that it would be so in Jesus' name. There is going to be a great work in the greater Toronto area. And can I just tell you, it won't come by those who you vote for. It won't come from elected officials. It's not going to come from the Senate or the House of Commons. It's going to happen if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is a certainty. If we'll humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways and seek his face, we'll have revival. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Oh, right where you are. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord. Praise God. Oh, he I release the gifts of the Spirit, Lord God. Let them operate in the name of Jesus. We pray, I believe and declare right now in the name of Jesus. It's happening all throughout, God, where people are watching and engaging. They're beginning to seek your face, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I know it might be uncomfortable for you, but you need to begin to pray. You need to begin to seek the face of the Lord. You need to begin to make this one of your life scriptures and say, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pray and seek your face. Turn from things that don't please you. Yeah, I know you'll hear. Forgive sin and heal our land. What am I trying to get you to understand? You can have revival in your family. You can see God do a miracle. Now, let me just tell you, here's where we get messed up. The revival might not look like you think it will. It might not be with the people with the best jobs the best education, and the most going for them. But that's all right. It's for whosoever will. Praise God. I made my notes because I didn't want to forget this. I felt the prophetic unction as I was writing this. The revival might not look like a miracle at first. It might look like sacrifice. But your tears will be turned to laughter. Ashes of heaviness will be turned into oil of gladness. There will be a revival in this city. There will be an awakening in this city. I'm telling you, God is raising up something that I believe is a movement. That is a certainty. Somebody ought to thank God just to be a part of that revival. And if revival is going to start, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I have drawn my circle. I have planted my feet. And I will be that revival. Praise God. Also, I want you to know of another certainty. God is in control. Praise God. He's in control. Look at this. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And again, I apologize that I cited Jeremiah earlier. It's not Jeremiah, it's Joel. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said. So, why will there be revival? Because as sick as this world may seem, God is still on top of it all. He's still in control. This world is not careening out of control like you might think. God knows the way it's going. God knows what is going to happen. So I want to encourage you like Paul encouraged Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. 
lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So you know what? There's a statement in what I just read in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says the good confession. You know what the good confession is? Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Praise God. That's the good confession. <laughs> In other words, you have to know that as the world shakes and trembles under COVID-19 and an agenda of all of the types of things that are anti-Christ, the foundation of God stands sure. Praise God. It's firm. The foundation of God is not shaking. The foundation in God, of God is not sweating. The foundation of God is planted. As a matter of fact, it's the very thing that's sustaining the stuff that's happening right now. I'm telling you, God is in control. And I'm closing. Praise God. I feel the presence of the Lord. I'm inviting our musicians to come. As they come and come quickly, our praise teams come to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It's one of the most outstanding passages in Scripture. Paul told the church in Thessalonica that the dead in Christ will rise first, then that which are alive and remain. I'm glad that those that have gone on before will rise. But I'm also glad that there'll be those alive and remaining. See, they may not be the majority. Lot and his family were the majority. Lot and his family weren't the majority. They may not be the most popular. Noah and his family weren't. But there will be someone alive and remaining when Jesus comes back. He will come back for those who were brought out of darkness and remained out of darkness. He's not coming for the popular. He's coming for his church. He's not coming for the most beautiful. He's coming for his church. He's not coming for the most learned. He's coming for his church. He's, not, he's coming for a bride, not a girlfriend. He's coming for a bride, not a harlot. He's coming for those who have made themselves ready. He's coming for those who are praying and anticipating his return. He's coming for those who are not seeing how many corners they can cut out. He's coming for the righteous and the redeemed. He's coming for those without spots in their garments who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. He's coming for you and he's coming for me. Someone's got to survive. Why not us? Somebody's got to have supernatural revival. Why not us? Some youth groups got to take over their schools. Why not us? Some young adults have got to take over their college campuses. Why not us? Somebody's got to have apostolic revival in this day. Why not us? is won't you trust him today while somebody believe him for something bigger than themselves 
turn your back on the shades of gray and apathy and decide I'm coming after you Jesus with all that I have God wants to give you hope he wants to be your hope in a very uncertain time thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.